morning. Good morning. It's good to be in church. Amen. I just want to welcome everyone this morning. My name is Angie Gergen, and I serve on uh, the teaching team here. Wherever else they'll let me, I love serving in the house of God. I love the house of God. Pastor Mike and Rhonda are coming back from time with family. Several of you know that uh, Rhonda's sister, Teresa, had brain surgery on Friday. So they were down in Dallas uh, supporting her. We've got a praise report. Surgery has gone well. She is recovering. She's hitting the benchmarks that they set for her. Um, If you are praying for her, thank you so much. That means the world to have a body of believers standing in faith and praying and covering her. Um, Some key points right now, we want to pray over full mobility and strength on that left side, that that would be completely restored and and working as it should be. Uh, They had to actually cut the jaw muscle for the surgery, and so we want to pray for a rapid healing in that because it's hard to eat. It's hard to chew, and so if you could please pray over that, and then of course they're waiting on the pathology report, and so we are believing and trusting God for a clear pathology report. Amen? Amen. So we appreciate your prayer in that, and um, praying for her family, too, as they walk through this with her and, and support her. I would never want to face a trial without my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm so thankful for what God has given us in the body of Christ. Amen. Amen. And then um, pray for Pastor Mike and Rhonda. They're traveling back. If you're a guest here this morning, I want to welcome you. I'm so glad you came and and joined us this morning. Thank you for taking the time. Um, I trust that God has something specifically for each and every one of us this morning. But if you're a guest, please come back again next Sunday. Hear Pastor Mike preach. He, he preaches and teaches the word. He's on point. Uh, he's a powerful minister of the gospel. Pastor Mike and Rhonda love, the, love God and they love the church, and I'm grateful for our pastors, so I would love to have you come back next Sunday and meet with them as well. Wasn't this morning's worship sweet and tender? I sense God is here, and I know that God has great things for us, and I just want to continue in that vein. I appreciate our worship team, the time that they take to prepare so that they can usher us into the presence of God. Um, But God is here, so as we prepare to get into the Word, let's go ahead and just open up with prayer. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your presence here in this place, God. And Lord, I humbly come before you this morning, and I just thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to serve in this capacity. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would flow through me. Give me the words to speak. I pray for your anointing and power to declare this message. But Lord, I pray that our hearts would be open and tender to what you have for us. Give us ears to hear and a heart and a diligence to be quick to obey to what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, Pastor Mike has been preaching a series on worship. And this morning, we're going to continue in that same vein. And he feels the sense that the Holy Spirit wants to bring us into a greater place of worship, a greater capacity of worship. So we're going to carry on. Um, He's been sharing what it truly means to worship God, to draw near to God, to surrender to him, and to seek his face. And recapping some of those key scriptures and points, let's look at James chapter 4, 8. James chapter 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you're double-minded. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So the key point that we recognize here is who draws near first. We do. 
We do the drawing first because God has already made a way to, to draw near. He gave us his son, Jesus. So now it's how we choose to respond, and that's by us drawing near. Another verse is Psalm 40, verse 3. It says, he has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. Some translations say many will see it and be amazed and trust in the Lord. Do you know that when you enter in and you worship and you praise God, that it's a testimony to others, that they can see that you have found something of great value and great worth and that you have surrendered your life to it and it's a testimony to others to draw people to Jesus? Do you know your stance and how you worship draws others to Jesus? Praise God. Praise God. It's important that when we come together corporately that we enter in wholeheartedly into the things of God and with worship. And then Pastor Mike has been sharing on Ezekiel chapter 1 and Revelation chapter 4, where it references the four living creatures that each have four different faces. And they circle the throne room of God. They've been circling the throne room of God for all of eternity past. They're circling the throne room of God as we speak right now and for all of eternity to come. And they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And they say it day and night and night and day. And they never exhaust of it because every time they circle the throne room of God, they see another facet of his glory. They see another glorious aspect of his character. They never tire of it because he's God. They can never exhaust the goodness and the magnitude and the glory of God. So every time they circle around, they sing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And these four creatures each have four faces. They have the face of a man that represents our humbleness and our need for grace. They have the face of a lion, which represents prayer. They have the face of an eagle, which represents worship. And they have the face of an ox, which represents service and humility, all of which are foundations to a healthy church, all of which are in a church body in some capacity. Some church bodies have a greater um, threshold than others, but worship is so key to entering into God's presence and knowing him to moving simply beyond being a believer to becoming a disciple. And how many of you know that when we walk in discipleship, God says, I want to take you beyond discipleship so that you understand what it means to be a son and a daughter. You're a son and a daughter, but I want you to understand in your full capacity what I've empowered you with when I've bestowed that title upon you as a son and a daughter of the Most High King. God wants to move us beyond a greater capacity of just knowing of him or knowing attributes about him, but to actually know him, to walk with him. Amen? How many of you have ever witnessed a beautiful relationship, maybe um, between peer, uh, uh, siblings that are really close, or a married couple that's been, um, they, they just get along, they love each other, they adore each other, they've had years and decades of, of a great marriage, or best friends, They've been friends for a long time. How many of you have seen that relationship? And they could be on opposite ends of the room and exchange a glance and a whole couple paragraphs was just communicated. You've seen that, right? Or they're sitting at a table together and someone's telling a story 
and a glance gets shot one way or the other, and a little smile comes on the face, and an instant, instantly an inside joke is shared. Or there's a recollection of a memory of days gone past. You've seen that, right? How many of you have seen it when you're talking to someone, maybe you're talking to the spouse, and you're explaining a situation, you're discussing some circumstances, and that spouse knows exactly how the other one is going to think and respond? And why is that? Because they've invested so much time into a relationship that they've treasured. They've spent so much time into something that they've cherished that they know the thoughts, they know the responses of the other, they can predict the moods, the feelings of the other. They're so comfortable and safe with them, they can instantly communicate and accurately predict how they're going to move. Do you know that God desires you to know him in that way and even greater? That's how close God wants you to be with him. He wants you to know him that way and even greater. Do you know that God has moods? Do you know that he laughs? Do you know that his spirit can be grieved? The word teaches us that his spirit can be grieved, sometimes even exasperated. Do you know that he is so excited to meet with you? When you take time out of your schedule, when you, when you come to church on Sunday morning, the Spirit of God is like, yes, I love this time. It's my favorite time to meet with you. Do you know that his thoughts are overflowing? They're too numerous to even count his thoughts towards you. And they're good thoughts. That God has good thoughts overflowing, too numerous to count. And do you know that he seeks out worshipers? You want to be sought out by God? Mm-hmm. I want to be sought out by God. He seeks out worshipers. John 4, 23 through 24 says, But a time is coming and is already here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit from the heart, from the inner self, and in truth. For the Father seeks such people to be his worshipers. God is spirit, the spirit of life, yet invisible to mankind, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, from the inside out, worshiping and surrendering to God. God wants you to know him as a close father. He doesn't want you to know him as a distant deity, some cold idol. He wants to have a personal relationship with you, that you would know him as a close and loving father, that your mind, heart, and spirit would be in constant communication with him. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3 challenges us. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. How do we prepare the way of the Lord? Through our worship. Through taking time and, and setting our hearts and our minds and our strength on him. In that same chapter, verse 31 promises, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Last week, Pastor Mike reminded us that God created a space for us to come together and seek him. It's right here. It's through the church. God created the church. It's God's idea, not man's idea. Amen? Amen? God loves the church. God loves the church. It's his idea. And it's befitting as sons and daughters that we would love what God loves, that we would invest our lives into what God has invested his life in, amen? That we would have a heart and a passion to build the church, amen? 
that we'd have a heart and a passion to protect the church. Amen? That we would have a heart and a passion to defend the church. That we'd have a heart and a, a passion to extend the church. Amen? Amen? To love what God loves. And on Sunday morning or any time that we come together corporately, we assemble as God's body. We come to learn and to draw near to God. Amen? It's a vital necessity for us to create a lifestyle, a lifestyle where we draw near to him individually and corporately, because there's great things that happen when we come together corporately. When we come into worship and we seek God's face, we, we find stability. It says in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, for I have not given you a spirit of fear. I've not given you a spirit of fear or chaos, but of power and love, and a sound mind. When we come into the presence of God, we come in and we get clarity and strength and soundness of mind. Amen? Amen? I certainly don't want to glorify the ruckus that's happening around us. It's not worth my time. It's not worth my energy. But would you agree with me that we live in a different day and age? Would you agree? Yeah, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. Things are different than they were even five to ten year, years ago. In society, it's different, right? In the day-to-day, -day, things are different. Raising families, got a lot more challenges. There's some things that are different, and we need God more than ever. Even with the shifts that are happening throughout every fiber of our existence, church, I want to tell you, I have the utmost confidence. You cannot argue me down. We live in the greatest days. We live in the greatest days. God has great things for us. I would not want to live in any other generation. This is the greatest time to be alive. And I believe God is pouring out his spirit. It's a really a time that is very, very intense. And you have an opportunity here to sit on the sidelines or to press into what God is doing. And I want to tell you and challenge you, press into what God is doing. Because we live in such an amazing time. When things are chaotic around you and disorienting, what do you find yourself doing? Do you find yourself looking up? What does this expert say? Or I should go run over and listen to this. Or maybe I should pull into this. Or do you say, you know what? Enough. I'm shutting out those voices. I am pressing into God Almighty. I'm going to get into his word. I'm going to lean on what he says. I'm going to press into what he has for us. And I'm going to see heaven come on earth. Amen? Yeah. Amen. It is our time to press in, to worship, to minister to him, to be close to him, and to trust him, to trust him, take him at his word, that as we draw near to him, he draws near to us. Not only is worship a necessity to our walk with the Lord, it is our design. God created us to be worshipers. It's part of how we're made. You will always worship something. God gives you free will to determine what exactly it is you'll worship. We need to be intentional with our hearts and our worship. Today, I want to encourage you to take an account of what's going on in your heart and repent if you find that there's anything ahead of Jesus in your life. Is there anything that you're putting ahead of Jesus in your life? It doesn't necessarily need to be things. It could be relationships that you put more priority on than Jesus. It could be self that you put more priority on in Jesus.
it, it could be things. It could be titles. You, you know, if you ask the Holy Spirit, he'll be faithful to show you, not in a shaming way, because God just doesn't do that. He doesn't come to, to shame or accuse, but he will come to convict and draw you closer if you ask him. Ask him. Now is the time to make sure that Jesus is Lord of your life. We worship God to minister to him. Do you know what ministers to him? That's a good question. God, what is it that really means the world to you? It's when we take time to spend time with God. It's when we take time to get into his word and to meditate on the truths of his word and let it go from head knowledge into heart knowledge that we can live it out in our lives. It's when we seek him and seek to do his will. It's when we take that step of faith to walk out in obedience, not sit on the sidelines, but step out in faith. It's when you sing praises to him, when you clap your hands. You know, the word teaches us to clap our hands. It's when you dance before the Lord. There's a holy dance before the Lord, and you dance with joy. When you lift your hands and surrender to him, that is pleasing to God. When you kneel in reverence to him and you humble yourself, that is pleasing to God. When you keep your hearts and your thoughts soft and pure, that means that you have to intentionally put yourself in check every so often. That is pleasing to God. And you know what else is pleasing to God? When you blow it, because sometimes we do, and you run back to him. That is a sweet aroma to God. That's a son and a daughter that knows the love of his or her father. Amen? So what, why does your worship matter? Why does your worship matter in particular? We've got this whole church here. Do you know that nobody can love God like you do? Not one person. He created you for this day and age, this generation, this time, and no one can love him like you do. In fact, your very voice print is unique to you. It's one of a kind. Do you know that when we come together corporately and worship, there's no other sound on earth than the bride of Christ worshiping her Savior. You can't find it anywhere else. There's no other creature that can make that sound. It's a gift to worship God. Amen? It's a gift to worship God, and let's not hold that gift back from him. It's the greatest gift we can give him, and it's the desire of his heart that we would know him and love him for who he is. The primary purpose of worship is for you and I to minister to God. Amen? To love him for who he is. But because he is such a good and gracious father, we never walk away empty-handed. Never do. You never do. When we seek the face of God over the hand of God, we, t we become more like him. We gain clarity, peace, wisdom, his character, his viewpoint, his strength, his victory. The list goes on and on. But even now as I'm speaking, people are going, and this happens, and that happens. The benefits of worshiping God are endless. We don't stay the same. We grow spiritually. We start to take on his likeness. We gain liberty, and we gain access to the things of God. How many of you know you've, we've always had access? Jesus gave us that access, but if we never use that access, we never benefit from it. As we pursue God, we make worship our individual and corporate value and our norm. 
we practice accessing his presence. And as we do that, we're transformed from glory to glory to glory, more into his likeness. He builds in us order to, to build through us. He puts in us love to be able to pour love out of us as we spend time worshiping him. Worship creates a place for God to dwell, and it opens up access to God where we can freely and boldly enter. We have that access because of what Jesus did. He lived a perfect and blameless life. He became the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. And then he, when he gave his life, crucified on a cross and coming back to life three days later. He conquered hell, sin, and death. Amen? God forbid that we ever take that gift for granted or without reverence or gratitude. We've heard the story of Jesus giving his life on the cross so many times. Do we ever take it for granted? God, forgive us if we ever do. You see, it wasn't so easy in the Old Testament to have access to the presence of God. In fact, it was really pretty complicated. It's kind of hard to teach on. If you go through it, you start looking at all the different sacrifices that were required to keep right with God. Even before Jesus came, God desired a habitation with his people. He desired to be among his people and for his people to know him. That's his greatest desire, to know you, to be known by you, to love you, and to be loved by you. We can look into the book of Exodus, and God is directing Moses on how to build a tabernacle. That's the place where worship would happen. It was the dwelling place for the presence of God. It was the only place the Israelites could go to access the presence of God. And what we see there is we see three separate areas of worship at the tabernacle. First, there was the outer court. This was a place for all people to enter and to worship. It was kind of a common place. It was a busy place because everybody could enter the outer court. The priests were there to help with sacrifices. There were sacrificial animals. It was a time to come into worship. It was a time to repent. It was a time to seek forgiveness. It was a time to fellowship. It was a busy place, kind of noisy, and it was the outer court. In the outer court, you could get forgiveness but you were, and you were close to God, but you weren't in the very presence of God. Can you see that? And then within the outer court, there was, um, actually, I wanted to share this. At the outer court, people loved going to the outer court. We see in Psalms chapter 84, it says, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy for the living, to the living God. And Psalms 84.10 says, For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wickedness. So inside the outer court then was the inner court. And that was the tent that was made up. And um, it was also known as the sanctuary. And this is what would house the showbread, the lamps, the table of incense, and all that was allowed to go into the inner court were the priests. And the priests would go in and they would serve in the inner court. They would change out the showbread. They would make sure that there was oil in the lamps. They would make sure that the incense was burning before the Lord day and night, night and day. But it wasn't for everybody. It was only the priests that could go into the inner court. And beyond the inner court was the Holy of Holies. And that was separated from the inner court by a thick ornate veil or curtain. 
And the Holy of Holies, that couldn't even be accessed by your typical priest. That could only be accessed by the high priest on one day, the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement is when um, the, the high priest would go in and the Holy of Holies housed the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat. That's where the presence of God would be located. One person could access the Holy, Holies, Holy of Holies one day a year. And on this day, the blood of the sacrifices was presented before the Lord for the forgiveness and the removal of sin. Leviticus chapter 16 outlines how the high priest was to take two male goats for a sin offering. One of the goats was sacrificed as the sin offering for the people of Israel, while the other was released into the wilderness. That's where we get the term scapegoat. The sin offering provided forgiveness, and the other goat provided the removal of sins. The Bible teaches that the forgiveness of sins requires blood sacrifice. As you read through the Old Testament laws of what's required, there's so many sacrifices that are required. It's so complex until Jesus came and he poured out his blood for us once and for all on the cross. He, was, he paid the price to reconcile us to God. He was the perfect sacrifice, the pure and spotless lamb. And the Bible teaches us that when he died, the veil to the Holy of Holies was ripped in two so that we all had access into the presence of God. Amen? Amen? First Timothy chapter 2, 5 through 6 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all to be testified in due time. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Through faith in what Jesus Christ accomplished on that cross, we can receive forgiveness and right standing with God. We receive God's righteousness. Amen? That is such good news. Jesus gave us access to enter the Holy of Holies, access to the very presence of God, but there's often a progression, still, there's often a progression of entering into that place to be in the fullness and the presence of God. There's varying levels of closeness to his presence, from outer courts to inner courts to the Holy of Holies. Have you found that to be true in your own life? There's varying levels of repentance, worship, service, reverence, and honor, from common to sacred, taking time and intention to linger and to press into what God has. There's a varying level of access. Do you understand that? Can you see that? To hear him and to know him. So here's some examples. You know, when you walk with the Lord, there's times that are just pivotal in your faith. And I just want to share a few times that have been pivotal in my faith. I remember when I was a little girl, I was raised in the church, and we were living in Rapid City, South Dakota at the time, and um, going to a church where I had a Sunday school teacher named Sue. I saw Sue every single Sunday. I knew Sue. She was a beautiful young woman that taught Sunday school. She had one leg that was shorter than the other. So Sue walked with a limp. I knew Sue. I saw her every single Sunday. You get that, right? So we had a traveling um, speaker that, or special speaker that came to our church, and after service, he was praying for people, and he had people come up for prayer, and he asked Sue, Sue, can I pray for you? And Sue said, absolutely. He goes, I'm going to have you sit in this chair. And he got down, and he held out her legs. 
And of course, one leg was much shorter than the other. You could see it. It was several inches shorter than the other. And he said, you know what? We're going to have everybody stretch forth their hands and close their eyes, and we're going to pray for Sue's healing. And I thought, I was like eight or nine at the time, I thought, there ain't no way I'm closing my eyes. I'm going to stretch forth my hands. But if God's going to do a miracle, I'm going to see it happen. And I, I was right in front. I could see Sue's leg. And he's holding her leg, and he's praying. And I watched that leg grow out. I watched it grow out. I knew Sue. I knew Sue walked with a limp. And from that day forward, she had a steady gait. And she walked without a limp. And I said, Sue, Sue, tell me. I saw your leg grow. How did it feel? She goes, I don't know. It just felt like it was growing. <laughs> Let me just tell you, it was awesome to see the miracles of God. It was awesome to pray the miracles of God. I will tell you, it had value in my faith walk throughout my life because there's times when my faith has wavered or doubted, and that would be one time that God would bring, us back, bring me back to and say, remember, Sue? Remember? You saw that. You saw it with your very own eyes. But that is an amazing and pivotal and worthwhile outer court experience. You can see that? That was a good outer court experience. I remember as a teenager, our youth group, we went to, um, we were supposed to go to Mexico. We never made it, long story. But we were driving in a school bus from Washington State to Mexico with the intention of um, doing different ministry. We had stopped in the state of California to quick grab a picnic lunch for all those that were on the bus. So we're sitting out there in the park making up sandwiches, and we looked around, and we're surrounded by homeless people, all with so many basic physical needs. And all of a sudden, our hearts shifted from us filling our tummies to making sure that we're taking care of them. So we started making sandwiches, and we started delivering these sandwiches to all these homeless people in the park, sharing the love of Jesus, sharing, praying with them, and giving them just a meal to eat. And I just sensed in my heart this love and compassion that God had for them, this value that he placed on each and every one of them, some without clothes, some with sores, open sores. But I just sensed God's love and compassion, and it was such an honor to serve them. It was such an honor to pray with them and share Jesus' love. It was a tremendous inner court experience. You get that. And then as an adult, I lived in Candy, Ohio, close to Wilmer. I was going to school for nursing in Wilmer, and I'd been introduced to a little church in a cornfield that goes by the name of Country Bible Church. Since then, it's been Destiny Church, renamed to Destiny Church. Pastor Mike and Rhonda served as youth pastors there. But I was introduced to this church, and I'd go to church, and when I'd go there, I would, I would sense God's presence in such a great way through the teaching and the worship. But see, something had shifted in my life as an adult. There was something that, that rose up inside of me. It was time that God, today I declare as an adult, God, you are my God. You are not just the God of my parents, or you're not the God that I knew as a little kid. Today, you are my God. And I would drive an hour and a half one way to go to this church so that I could have an encounter with God. And I remember one time in the worship service, God's presence filled the room in such a tangible way. Everybody was worshiping, and God's presence filled the room in such a tangible way that as I sat there and I worshiped him, everything around me faded. It was like it was just me and God. I had a direct connection with my Heavenly Father. 
And it was something that, it, it just changed my life then and there and actually changed the trajectory of my whole life going forward. It changed the trajectory of my family's life. And there was something that was in, put inside of me that was like, I, this is the appetite that I have now. Nothing else will do. God, now that I know this is your presence, now that I've been in, this, in your presence, nothing else will do. And I just always want to enter into his presence. You see, that is a holy of holies kind of experience that God has for each and every one of us. It's not just unique to me. So close to the presence of God that it just, it changes you. It, it transitions who you are. I've spent lots of times, those are just three pivotal moments in my faith walk with the Lord. There's all sorts that I could tell you about, but I wanted to share that just to demonstrate every single time that I've come into his presence, individually or during corporate worship, it's like I've walked away, there's been times of healing, times of renewal, sometimes there's times of correction because he's a good and loving father, times of rebirth, oftentimes there's times of equipping. God's calling us to a higher level. Gifts have been activated in my life. Love becomes alive. Faith is increased. I always walk away with a greater hunger for more of God, to know him and to bless him. You see, I share these testimonies with you this morning to make a point. You choose the level. You get to choose how close you'll draw near to God. Often it requires a process of putting our hearts in check, Engaging our hearts, our minds, our strength, and sometimes it takes some lingering in his presence to draw close, to know him in that capacity. How many of you have ever been in a church service? You don't have to raise your hands. <laughs> Someone gets up and they declare, God is in the room. I feel God in the room. But you're not feeling anything. Have you been there? There's times I have. I found it to be frustrating. I don't want to miss God. <laughs> I found there's times that those are the times that I need to, again, put my heart in check, take some inventory, and throw off some weights and baggage. Some of that would be unforgiveness, offense. I need to throw off that weight. Worry. I need to throw off that weight. How about doubt? I need to throw off that weight. Strife. That's not of God. Confusion, it's not of God. Sometimes I need to repent of sins and get my heart right. And then I need to choose to take God at his word by faith. Trusting that he is faithful to say what he said he would do. If I draw near to him, he is faithful to draw near to me. That he's worthy of all of my praise. Amen? He's worthy of my highest praise. Sometimes I need to go beyond feelings and just stir up the gift that's in me. The Bible teaches us that, to stir up the gift that's within me and not wait on my feelings to come into alignment. Feelings are fickle. Worship is not emotionalism. It's not some mental ascent. But sometimes you need to just stir things up and say, you know what? I am not going to miss God in this moment. I am pressing in. I've got to tell you, there's times that I've seen God touch emotions during worship. I've seen people laugh. 
I've seen them cry. I've seen them shout for joy. I've seen them declare victories during worship, and there's so much more. It's a necessity to practice and pursue the presence of God. The sacrifice of praise is praising even when you're not feeling like it. (laughs) When doubt tries to creep in or a sense of failure or defeat tries to keep you out, how many have struggled with that? That's when we bring the sacrifice of praise. When it says, when something tries to hold you back and you determine in your heart, I'm going to sing that much louder just because. I'm not letting the devil have a victory or a foothold on this. I know that God has something for me. My victory is secure in him. So I'm going to sing that much louder. I'm going to clap that much louder. I'm going to lift my hands and I'm going to praise him because I am an overcomer in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. I put on repeat in my mind the goodness and the faithfulness and the character of God. I bring my whole self into alignment. I'm encouraging you to do the same. This morning, church, I want to encourage you, if you've never stepped out of your comfort zone by raising your hands, singing out, clapping, dancing, kneeling, all those things are scriptural. I would encourage you to do those things before the Lord. Do you know that there's actual physical benefits to worshiping God? (laughs) It's like the creator of heaven and earth and and the one who created you and I knew that this would be good for us. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? Just an example, raising your hands has many benefits. Here's a few. It invigorates your nervous system. The creator of heaven and earth and the creator of you made you to be a worshiper. And when you lift up holy hands, it invigorates your nervous system. It decreases your cortisol level. That's good. That's a good thing. It increases your testosterone level. Good thing. Good thing. It improves your posture and your balance. That's a great thing. And personally, I think it makes your arms look thinner. (laughs) It's neither here nor there. We can delight in the fact that we can worship God with family and other like-minded people and delight in his goodness together. There's greater power in numbers when we come together and worship. Psalm 122.1 says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And Psalm 133 verses 1 through 3 says, Behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. For there the Lord commands the blessing, life forevermore. Church, when we come together in unity, in corporate worship, when we love what God loves, when we love him, we love the church, in our praise, in our worship, in our gathering, in our time together, when we're purposeful about being passionate about what God is passionate about, we have the honor of bringing heaven to earth. There's no greater honor. Jesus made a way. He provided the access. The question is, how will you choose to respond? And isn't that 98% of the life we live? The life we fulfill on this earth? Simply how we choose to respond. He wants to meet with you every day, not just on Sunday morning. To commune with you, to walk with you, to do life with you, to build with you. And when you come to church and worship, it's a vibrant collective of all that God is doing in each and every one of our individual lives.
That is so good. Amen. I want to invite you to stand with me as I invite the worship team up. We are a little bit ahead of schedule, and so we're going to do things a little bit differently today. I cleared this with Pastor Mike. We're going to go into a little bit more time of worship because I want you to take, I believe that God has something special for you, and I believe that he wants you to apply what you've learned today, to just surrender your heart and surrender your life to him, to just give him your love and to go into that holy of holies place with him. But before we do that, I want to give an opportunity. If you're visiting here today or you're someone that has never made Jesus Christ Lord of your life, I want to give an opportunity for you to surrender your heart to him. Or maybe it's something that you did walk with the Lord for some time and you've kind of drifted away and it's like, gosh, you know what? I haven't sensed God's presence in my life for so long and I really miss it. Jesus teaches us that the first and the greatest commandment that we could ever do and fulfill is to love the Lord our God with all our might, soul, and strength. With all our heart, soul, and strength. And so right now, I just want to give opportunity to ask Jesus into your heart. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So if that's you, I'd ask that you just bow your head and pray with me. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. We'll all pray together. And um, let's just go to the Lord. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I am a sinner. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sin and rose again. I don't want to live apart from you. I want to hear your voice. I want to know your purposes for my life. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Be Lord of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and give me strength to live for you. In your name, amen.